And why don't you open your Bibles to Acts chapter 12 this morning. We're going to jump right into the Word. Thank you, Lord. If you haven't been with us, we've been in kind of going through a, a series here through the book of Acts called uh, Barriers Broken or How to Break Through Barriers. And uh, we've had several messages a couple weeks ago. Uh, if you hadn't heard the message online, you've got to hear my wife's message. Ashley spoke on breaking through ethnic and cultural barriers. Uh, I thought it was just a phenomenal and timely message uh, for probably for the whole church, uh, not just our church. Uh, we'll see how that goes. <laughs> Never know. Um, and then last week, Pastor Don was ministering, and uh, he went, he wasn't, he's not in the series, so that's fine. He was given permission to not be in the series, so don't worry if, if you're wondering how come he wasn't in the series. Well, uh, that's, that's okay. Um, he had something on his heart, and we are thankful that he was able to share that and release that to you about Jeremiah and all that stuff. So, um, we are now in Acts chapter 12. And so, we're going we're gonna to jump right in here. Holy Spirit, we invite you to open the Word. And today we're going to talk a little bit about overcoming the barrier of opposition. So it's about this time, this is verse 1 of Acts 12. Um, that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. And when he saw that this met with approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. And this happened during the festival of unleavened bread. So after arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. Do I sound weird? Am I good? Okay. Just my, it's just my head. So good. Uh, the night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains and sentries stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrists. Then the angel said to him, Put on your clothes and sandals. And Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. Okay, so Peter didn't realize. He thought he was maybe dreaming. You know, he woke up. And you all know when you're not sure if you're awake or asleep, right? Or, you know, when you're talking to your spouse and you're like, are you awake or are you asleep? <laughs> the eyes are open, but nobody's home, right? Okay? <laughs> it happens to me. Trust me. Right, babe? She's talking to me and nobody's home. Okay. <laughs> they had passed the first and second gate of guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city and opened for them by itself and they went through it. And when they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. 
Then Peter came to himself and said, Now I know, without a doubt, that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. So when this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and they were praying. And Peter knocked at the outer entrance and a servant named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed, she ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter's at the door! (laughs) And oh, great faith of the people praying said, you're out of your mind. (laughs) They told her, and when she kept insisting that it was so, they said, it must be his angel. But Peter kept on knocking because nobody had opened the door. And when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Don't you love the Bible? I mean, it's, it's, it's so real. It's like it's telling you what really happened here. Peter motioned with his hand for them to be quiet and described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. He said, tell James and the other brothers, that's a different James, uh, and sisters about this, he said, and then he left for another place. And so we'll stop there for just a moment and continue on here. So here's the deal. The church continued to face opposition. The people of God. Hello. Here's the deal. Oh, golly. Got change for a 20? Okay. <laughs> That's a joke from Wednesday night. Whenever I say, here's the deal, if you raise your hand, you get a dollar. Okay, that was a joke. <laughs> we don't have enough money, my wife says, so we're canceling it. We're going to give you all hugs instead. <laughs> I'm going to give you a hug, brother. Oh, no, hey, we're taking an offering, huh? Let's put money back. <laughs> We're throwing money here. This is church is throwing money. Okay. Wow. <laughs> well, you don't hear it because you say it too. So, anyway. So, here's the deal. Here's the deal. <laughs> now I'm going to say it on purpose, every sentence. Okay. What was I saying? I, <laughs> I have never seen so many hands go up during my sermon. That was so awesome. We gave the call for salvation like 10 minutes ago, okay? (laughs) So if you're a guest here, we like to have fun, okay? It's okay to have fun. Fun is the people of God. So they were facing some spiritual opposition, okay? And so the church was, you know, in in chapter 9 of, or yeah, chapter 8 and 9, you've got Stephen where Stephen is dragged and he is killed. I mean, he is the first martyr of the church. He gave his life for his faith. And so then you've got this, this ongoing opposition that's going on. And so here's the, here's the deal. <laughs> I can't stop saying it. <laughs> oh, my goodness. It's hilarious. <laughs> just keep saying it. I can't keep saying it. I can't stop. I just can't stop. And so they're facing all this... All these things that are coming at them, and what are they going to do? That's the question. We have the same thing, is when we are facing opposition, what are you going to do when you're opposed? How are you going to respond? What is your posture of your heart going to be? What is, what is, what is your mouth going to be doing? What are you going to be saying out of your mouth 
When you, when you find yourself in opposition, right here I believe this was spiritual opposition. This was direct spiritual opposition to get the people of God to stop doing what they were called to do. That's really what opposition wants us to do. Stop. I mean, that's, that's the whole goal of opposition. If, if, if the enemy can get you to stop... Because he can't, he can't take your heart. He can't, he can't steal your salvation. I mean, he can't bring you out of the presence of God. He can't take away what Jesus did. He can't do. There's a whole lot of things he can't do. But if he can somehow get you to stop, then you're stuck, and nothing happens for someone who's stuck. Nothing good happens. And so, right here, you've got. You've got the church facing some extreme opposition. We don't understand the opposition they were facing in, in our nation. We, we, we don't quite get it yet. James loses his life. Remember James and John, one of the twelve disciples? I mean, that's who this is. Uh, you know, there's... Peter, James, and John, the big three of the disciples, you know, they're the ones that went up on the mountain with Jesus. They're the ones that, you know, Jesus took in kind of his inner circle. And so that's this James right here. And he gets, he gets one line in the Bible and he's gone. That's it. It says Herod starts persecuting the church and he just goes and kills James. That's it. James is gone. Not really, but he's just in a different place. He's gone from earth. And so they, they realized how serious it was. I mean, sometimes we, when we face opposition, I've never re- faced opposition where my life was threatened. To be honest with you, I've never really, really been in that position where somebody's like, because of your faith, your life is in danger. The question is, what are you going to do when you're faced with spiritual Opposition. Here the church began to pray. You know, sometimes I think God allows opposition so that we're drawn closer to Him. Because, you know, a lot of times we don't come to the end of ourself if things are going good, right? When it's going good, you're, you're like, man, I'm all right. <laughs> I'm doing all right. I'm pretty good. Things are good. My, my family's good. My job's good, my marriage is good, my, uh, you know, my finances are good, whatever it is. We can get a little bit comfortable. And so sometimes God allows the things to come in. Hey, you need something hard in your life right now. Because He's good. Because look, I need to be praying. I need to be close to Jesus. I don't need to be finding myself as the end. I need to find Him as the end. And if I'm drawn to find my strength and my my sustenance and my encouragement only for myself, then I'm in a scary place. I'm in a dangerous place. And God says, I have to rescue you from that place. So sometimes He allows opposition. Sometimes the opposition is just there because you're doing the work of God. It's not that God needed something in your life. It's just that when you're advancing the kingdom of God, guess what? There's darkness there. You know, I don't believe it so much that... that 
oh, the, the devil starts getting all excited because he knows we're going to do something, so he comes against us. No, it's like, here's the, here's the deal. <laughs> here's the deal. <laughs> He's already here, and we're coming into his realm. And guess what? When we show up in his realm, he starts... <laughs> he starts fighting. Here's the deal. Because the devil is not the initiator. Sometimes we give the devil a little too much power. Especially in spirit-filled church. We, you can have a whole sermon on the devil, right? And it's all about what the devil's doing. You know, just like this sermon, right? <laughs> He's not the initiator. The people of God, the Holy Spirit, is the initiator. And so as we are initiating what God has placed in our hearts... We may and probably will face opposition because we're moving forward with the King of Kings. We're moving forward with the power of the Holy Spirit. We're moving forward with God wants us to, what God wants us to do. And they face spiritual opposition. It says the people of God begin to pray. They were already praying, but it says they begin to pray intensely. Now, they didn't believe that they'd get their prayer, but, you know, we'll work on that at a different point, right? <laughs> They're praying for Peter. They're like, oh, God. I mean, they've just lost James. I mean, don't you know that they were all looking at the 12 apostles? They were still like, no, these guys are, these guys are the ones that were with Jesus the whole time, except when they ran at the end. But other than that, they're the ones with Jesus, and now James is gone. And now Peter's been arrested. And like, is he going to be killed too? And sometimes we face things where we don't know what's going to happen. And so we need to pray. We need, we need to seek God. We need to say, I am going to pray. I am going to get close to Jesus. I'm going to see something happen. Because if I stop, nothing's going to happen. Are you going to go forward or are you going to stop when you're faced with opposition? Peter is, gets to be the recipient of the prayers. You know, it's sometimes good to have people praying for you. You know, so look around this room, pray for somebody this week. Pick somebody out right now. Take, look around, turn around, <laughs> look over, pick somebody out, pray for them this week. You don't know that your prayer might be their breakthrough. What if your prayer gets them out of a place that they couldn't get out of themselves? What if God releases something in their life and he's just been waiting for someone to say, to line up with him and speak his truth and say, declare it over their lives. You don't know what's going to happen when you pray. And so they face opposition. And I want you to look at what happens, the result of the opposition. But, well, number one is uh, Herod dies. Herod actually receives a judgment from God. And I'm not going to say that that, that always happens. That doesn't always happen. But the word of God, it says in verse 24, the word of God continued to spread and flourish. So the result, the desired result of opposition in our life is fruitfulness. Is that the word of God spreads. That is that there's, a, there's an expansion of what God is, is doing in, in the earth. There's an expansion of what God is doing in your family. So you're like, man, I'm just, I'm just facing it right now. I'm really facing something. Guess what? As Ronnie said, there's a harvest coming. 
There's, there's fruitfulness on the other side of opposition if we stand firm. It says in James chapter 4, it says, Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Whenever you're facing spiritual opposition, it's probably not just the person. Here's the deal. Herod was not just operating in his own strength. Herod was most likely a demonized person. He had opened his life up and there was influence in his life by demonic forces and they were filling him with hate so much that he was saying, I'm going to start killing these people. Because it, I mean, it doesn't make any sense for Herod to even care about the Christians at this point. He's not, he's not a Jew. I mean, he's not a... He's, is this not his religion, so to speak? It says it pleased the religious Jews at the time, but... There was nothing in it for him. He had no reason to oppose them except for a heart that was stirred by the enemy to oppose what God does. And so when the people of God were advancing the kingdom of God, it says the enemy started raising up and saying, I I don't want you to do this anymore. You're taking ground from me. You're you're overcoming by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. You're doing exactly what you said you would do. How can I get you to stop? He's, He's pretty scared, actually. Sometimes, you know, Christians, we get, we get scared of the devil. He's scared of you. <laughs> He's scared of you. He's scared of you full of the Holy Spirit. He's scared of you full of the Word of God. He's scared of you standing firm. He's scared of you resisting what he is trying to bring onto your life. You know, sometimes spiritual warfare is just to resist. Don't give in. There's some times where you just have to say, I'm not going to give in to this. I'm not going to give in. You got thoughts coming your way that are stirring you to harm yourself. I'm not going to give in to this. This is not true. Sometimes you need to say it out loud. Okay? All of you... If you battle with thoughts, if you battle with different thoughts that tell you that seem to look, that's not normal. I just want you to know that it doesn't have to be normal. You're normal. I think it's common when I say I don't when I say it's not normal. It doesn't mean there's something weird about you. It just means it doesn't have to be your experience your whole life is what I'm saying. You don't have to be in bondage to thoughts that that are negative. You don't have to be in bondage to thoughts that bring destruction in your life, whether that's personally or just relationally, whatever it is. If that is your battle, if that is your opposition, sometimes you have to say, that's not true. I think it's a good idea to say it out loud. I talk to myself all the time, okay? (laughs) Sometimes you have to tell yourself, that's not true. Uh, who are you talking to? I'm talking to me. <laughs> Sometimes you talk to yourself. It's not even so much that you're talking to the devil or something. It's just you need to tell yourself, that's not true. Amen. No, I, I don't, I'm not going to follow that. I will not follow that voice. Jesus said, my sheep follow my voice. They won't follow another. So you're destined to follow Jesus. If you're a child of God, you have the Holy Spirit in you. You are meant to walk in truth. You are meant to follow Jesus. You are meant to overcome. But if you're in the middle of opposition, it's hard to see sometimes. That's number one, why we need each other, praying for each other. If we're praying for each other, then I have someone coming alongside me to say, hey, there's somebody in the spiritual realm that's helping me out. I don't know who it is, 
Can you all sometimes, do you all sometimes feel when someone's praying for you or sense it or just have this realization? Sometimes you may not know. Hey, sometimes your success is you're like, man, that just re- went really well. Hey, somebody might have been praying for you. There's going to be so many things that when we get to heaven that, that prayer did that we, it's going to blow our minds. There's going to be so many times where you're like, uh, I, f- I even forgot I prayed that. And God's like, well, I didn't forget. I didn't forget it. Prayer is eternal. The fruit of prayer is eternal. It lasts forever. Okay, so let's go to the next one. Here's the deal. Acts chapter 15. That time I wasn't going to say it, but I did anyway. Acts chapter 15, verse 1. So here's the next opposition that the church faces, the people of God. It says, certain people came down from Judea to Antioch and were reaching the believers. Unless you are circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. And this brought Paul and Barnabas into sharp dispute and debate with them. So Paul and Barnabas were appointed, along with some other believers, to go up to Jerusalem to see the apostles and elders about this question. The church sent them on their way, and as they traveled through Phoenicia and Samaria, they told how the Gentiles had been converted. The news made all the believers very glad. And when they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and elders to whom they reported everything God had done through them. And then it says in verse 5, it comes up again. Then some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees stood up and said, the Gentiles must be circumcised circumcised and required to keep the law of Moses. So what's going on right here is this. There's opposition, and this is the opposition by the religious spirit or tradition. Sometimes this opposition is harder to face for the church because it's almost within. It's the opposition within that tries to draw us back into the old covenant. You know, there are things now that tries, try to draw us back into the Old Covenant. Anytime you are, you, are, you are depending on your ability to do good things, to be right with God, you're now in the Old Covenant. You're trying to keep the law so that you can be right with God. You have slipped into the Old Testament. You're not in the New Testament. There's nothing wrong with the Old Testament as long as you're looking at the Old Testament through the New Testament. You have to view the Old Testament through what Jesus did. If you don't view the Old Testament through what Jesus did, then you can get stuck in things you don't need to be stuck in. That's exactly what was happening here. Is it says there was a group of Pharisees who'd been who'd received Jesus. Okay? This is not the same Pharisees that Jesus was going back and forth with. These are Pharisees that had said, Yes, Jesus is the Messiah. They're still Pharisees. I mean, that was part of who they were. They didn't have to stop doing that. They were fulfilled Pharisees, really. <laughs> they should have been Pharisees like the Pharisees should have been, right? And so, so they start getting, getting upset. 
As my wife talked about a couple weeks ago, there were barriers broken with the Samaritans and the Gentiles, and God broke it open and said, hey, guess what? This is for everybody. Every tribe and language, every color, every ethnic group, every racial group, every, every people, every nation. This is for everybody. This is not just for an exclusive group of people. This is for everyone. And so then they send off Paul and Barnabas and they start going what? To everyone. They say, God said it. We're going to go do it. We got birthed in a prayer meeting and then they're like, we're going to go. It's, it's us. We're supposed to leave. And they start going to all these places. And then somebody comes in and says, wait a second. Hey, we've still got to do this stuff here to be right with God. Here's a whole book. The whole book of Galatians is like that. Hey, don't get sucked into the law. Because it's bondage. It's bondage. And so, we don't generally face exactly what they're facing in terms of this particular issue. But in the church, sometimes we get drawn into say, oh, the tradition of the way we used to do things is the way we have to do it today. And people get stuck. I mean, how many churches have been split over we have to sing hymns or no, we have to sing Newer worship songs. You know what? I better not cuss, right? <laughs> Who cares? What has to happen is Jesus needs to be worshipped. Anytime I'm telling somebody, no, this is the way it has to be. This is the way it has to be because this is the way it used to be done. And it's not in the New Testament. To say this is what the church looks like. If you can't find it in the book of Acts or something. Or the principle in the letters of the epistles that Paul wrote to the church. We may want to take a second look and say. Is this God? Or is this just a religious tradition? Is this the old covenant? Because Jesus said I had to get rid of the old covenant. If I'm going to be stuck in the old covenant then I don't have Jesus. Jesus better be there. So what happens? They start giving testimonies. They're having this meeting. Peter stands up, gives his testimony again. Paul and Barnabas, they they start saying, here's what God is doing. Let me tell you what God is doing in, in the people that are not Jews. The Gentiles, that's what a Gentile is, just somebody who wasn't a Jew. Broad category. So God's doing the signs and wonders. He's doing amazing things among them. And so at the end they say, okay, okay, okay. They're not going to be required to be circumcised. They give them some general guidelines that are just some... I'm not going to go into the the reasoning, all that for that, but... uh, what happens is amazing is rather than this making the church weaker and splitting apart is it makes it stronger and more unified. You know, at the end it says, hey, send a letter to the believers to tell them 
And it says so they in verse 30, so they were sent off and went down to Antioch where they gathered the church together and delivered the letter. And the people read it. Here's the, the non-Jews are reading it, right? And they were glad for its encouraging message. Judas and Silas, who themselves were prophets, said much to encourage and strengthen the believers. And after spending some time there, they were sent off by the believers with the blessing of peace to return to those who had sent them. And then Paul and Barnabas remained in Antioch. And so, so what happens, the result of this situation is unity and joy. So when I am in opposite, when I'm facing opposition, what wants to happen is break unity of the spirit. Because if we can be united in our hearts together, we can disagree about some details, right? We can disagree. You know what? If we surveyed every person in this room about their specific beliefs about everything in the Bible, that's not like the core things like Jesus is our Savior, Healer, Baptizer, Soon Coming King, all those things. Uh, we might have some different ideas, right? I mean, how many different teachings have you heard about certain things, right? There's people that have different ideas. They're, they are sold on them, right? They're sold on them. But they're, they're like, they're not the most important things. You know, there are some people that sprinkle people with water rather than dunking them in the baptism, baptismal, right? Do you think God's up there going... No, didn't get covered in the water all the way. (laughs) Not going to make it. (laughs) Not good enough. No, what does it say? God's looking at the heart, right? He's looking at their heart. Here's a person who has a heart and their tradition is, I'm going to, I'm just going to pour a little water on you or maybe sprinkle a little water on you. Does that matter? No, it doesn't matter. What matters is Jesus and his heart, and his kingdom. What matters is, is the gospel. You know, in Philippians, it gives us a great, um, great way to, to stand in the midst of opposition. So we're going to go there first. Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. Okay, so opposition tries to take three things from us. So when we're facing opposition... It's trying to stop us from three things. Philippians 1 verse 27 says this. This is Paul. He's writing from prison to a place, a church that he started, and he got thrown in prison when he was there too. Uh, Paul spent a lot of time in prison for the gospel. So whatever happens, he said, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence... I will know that you stand firm in one spirit or in the one spirit. So notice the unity there. Striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. Look at this. Without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed and that you will be saved and that by God. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. Since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had and now hear that I still have. 
So opposition tries to get us off of our one purpose, which is what? The gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the purpose of the church. That's the purpose of our existence on earth now is to spread the good news of Jesus. And we get distracted by all kinds of other things. And Paul's saying, look, whatever happens, conduct yourselves worthy in a manner where people can say, man, you are living the gospel of Jesus. You are living the good news of Jesus. You look like Jesus. Your life is a testimony about Jesus. And opposition would try to get us off of our purpose. It would try to get us focused on something that's not quite as important as this. But this is the thing. Make the commission great again, right guys? (laughs) Make disciples of all nations. That's the last thing Jesus said. He didn't just say preach the gospel. He said make disciples. Who in your life are you making a disciple of? If you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus, guess what? That's your purpose. Make another disciple from somebody else. Who is it? Who are you making a disciple? Who are you teaching to obey everything that Jesus said? That's our purpose. If we get off of that purpose, that's when we get, that's when we get all crazy, right? That's when we can get distracted about and argue about something else that doesn't matter. Hey, look, if you're a guest here today, by the way, we're, we're fine in our church. We're actually in a good season. So this is not like Pastor John up here, all the people are having lots of fighting, so we're going to preach on that. No, we're doing good, I think. I think we've got a lot of unity here. I'm just, I'm just saying we're gonna fa- when we face things, let's be ready. And be ready personally in your life that when you face opposition, it wants to get you off your purpose that God has created you for. Which is to become like Jesus and make disciples. He says, I'm forming you into the image of Jesus Christ. You're being, you're being conformed to his image. So Philippians, let's turn to Hebrews chapter 12 for two more. Hebrews chapter 12, we're, we're about done here. Here's the deal. We're about done. That joke will get old in a couple weeks here, hopefully. You think? Yeah, it's already old, right? (laughs) Hebrews 12, verse 1 through 3, it says this, Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author or finisher of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throat of God. Listen to this. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. I think there's two more things that, that opposition tries to, to take from us. It tries to steal from us our purpose. It stri- tries to steal from us our focus. Right. What does it say here? I fix my eyes on Jesus. Amen. Anytime I get off of Jesus, I get in trouble. 
I can, but if, if, my, if my heart is centered on Him, if, my, if my, my mind is being drawn to Him, if my spirit is worshiping Him, guess what? I am focusing on Jesus. When I'm focusing on Jesus, good things happen. I didn't say your life would be easy. James was focusing on Jesus and he got killed. Okay? So I'm not saying your life's going to be easy. I'm, I'm actually saying that your life may be harder. For a long time in the church, we, we like did conversions like this, right? Come to Jesus, everything's going to be great. We should have been saying, come to Jesus, you're going to die in your life. You're going to face hell, but you're going to go to heaven. <laughs> and you're going to have heaven's Holy Spirit in you while you face the hell on earth. Do you want that? Come on up front. <laughs> Some people are like, you're going to die to everything that you ever lived for and you're going to give that dream to Jesus and make Him the master of your life. He's going to be the supreme authority in you. You must do everything He says. You must walk in obedience. You must die to yourself. That's the gospel. As you die to yourself, you find his life comes into you just as we expressed in communion because my life is not enough. I need His life. But if, if opposition can get my focus off Jesus, man, I get confused. I can be wandering around like a... Well... Like a teenager without a cell phone. <laughs> Sorry. How many teenagers have we got in here? Right? Hey, y'all, we went to, you know, we went on our trip to San Diego. What did we do when we didn't have GPS on our phones, right? How did we get around in another city, right? Because all we do is right away, I don't have to figure out anything in San Diego. I just go, take me to, you know, Carlsbad State City Beach. Beep, beep. <laughs> Jesus is our GPS. He's, our, he's the one we're connected with in heaven by the Holy Spirit. And He's the one that's standing there going, okay, here's where we're going. Here's how to get there. Turn over here. Hey, watch out here. Detour here. Detour again here. Oh, another detour. Just seeing if you're paying attention. Don't you feel like God does that sometimes? Detour, detour. How many detours are there, Jesus? He's like, well, we're going to the right place. Are you going to follow me? Because I know the way. I know how to get there. So opposition tries to stop our focus. And the third thing it tries to stop is our passion. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Because what happens when you lose heart? You stop. You stop. You give up. Man, if your heart is still in something, I don't care how, how bad it looks. You know, if you're, if you're believing God for something, when you stop, it's probably because you've lost. You said, I give up. It's not going to happen. Opposition would try to stop our passion because if we've got a purpose, our focus, and our passion... The people of God are unstoppable. We're unstoppable. And we're not trying to win some victory. Jesus already won the victory. We're not trying to win. We're just, we're just living in the win. 
we're living in what Jesus has already done. He's saying, look, you get to spread it all around. So let's stand. I'm going to pray over you. Father, we just thank you right now for anyone who's in a spiritual battle, anybody who's facing opposition, whether it's from their own family, whether it's whether it is from the enemy himself and demons, demonic things, Lord, whether it's their thought lives, whether it's maybe the religious spirit that would try to drag them into something that's not the gospel, the good news of Jesus. Right now, we just thank you, God, that our hearts will stand firm in you. Jesus, if our eyes have wandered from you, we repent. We repent. And we turn away from anything else that would take our, the gaze of our heart and we put it back on you. Jesus, show us who we can disciple. Jesus, show us who you've put in our lives that we can teach them how to follow you. Jesus, let us ask for help if we need help from somebody else that might know a little bit more than us, that's been walking with you a little bit longer. And Father, I just pray right now for anybody who's lost heart. Pray for the weight to be lifted off of hearts that are heavy. So that we can believe again that you're going to do something good. So that we can press on and get to know you better. So that we can be who we're called to be and do what we're called to do. I say hearts wake up. Passion, wake up. Hunger, wake up. Stir it up in our hearts, Lord, where it's, where it's, gone, where it's gone quiet, where it's gone, where the fire is kind of dimmed out a little bit. Lord, we just pray that you stir up first love. Jesus, right now, stir up first love in hearts. Anybody in here who just says, man, I just feel like I, I just don't love Jesus like I d- did before. And I'm not asking you to raise your hand. I'm just asking you to, to on your own, say, You just need to ask God to stir up your first love. Just ask Him. Just ask Him. Say, God, I need you to stir up my first love. Get by yourself. You can't do it here. That's that's fine because we're all quiet and everybody's listening. But get by yourself and ask the Lord to stir up first love in your heart. Because when we all come to Jesus, we're captivated by Him when He saves us. Thank You, Lord, for the unity of the Spirit that's here. God, we want to guard that and honor that in every way we can. We thank You that You brought our hearts together and we pray that we would be on the mission and purpose that You've called us to be as the people of God. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Amen. Amen.
you are blessed to go. If you need prayer, come on up. Ladies who are going to retreat can huddle up. And if you're coming to our house tonight because you're hungry for dessert or something else, let us know. Thank you.